Thank you, brother. Uh, Saints of God, please be seated. We are uh, so thankful to the Lord for Pastor Jihad. Uh, he has been a great blessing to Pastor Isaiah and to Pastor and to myself, um, and also I believe to Pastor Allen. Um, we are grateful that he has uh, decided that he will preach for us this morning. So, Pastor Jihad, would you come and bring us the word this morning, brother? Good morning, congregation. Good morning. Please turn with me in your copy of God's Word to the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we will be reading the Lord's Prayer this morning. Hear once again the authoritative word of the Lord. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word and now to the preaching of his word. Well, saints of God, greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, it is a pleasure to bring to you the word of God on this blessed Sabbath as we gather together to worship our triune God. As the psalmist once said, and as has been said up up to this point in various different ways, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Congregation, we have every reason this morning to be glad, to give thanks that we are in the household of the Lord. We first and foremost give thanks that our Savior is risen, that the Lord Jesus Christ was raised for our justification, that you and I may be declared righteous before a thrice holy God. And for the same reason, we may give thanks for this second annual joint service, not only with one other church, but with two other churches. I thank the Lord for each of your churches and for my own and for God's wonderful providence that brings us here today, that we may have a brief foretaste of heaven. It is for that reason, it is my prayer that each and every one of you may see and savor our Lord Jesus Christ all the more this Lord's Day as He speaks to you through the proclamation of His Holy Word. And this morning I bring before your attention the very words of our Lord uttered in His public ministry as He was asked by one of His own in Luke's Gospel account, Lord, teach us to pray. 
this humble request by one of His own disciples is followed by what we, you and I, commonly know as the Lord's Prayer. Now time will most assuredly fail me to do any kind of justice to even one word found in this perfect prayer, let alone its entirety. But I humbly do ask that your attention is given to the third petition in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10b. The third petition of this prayer, which once again reads, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Congregation, I have just two questions to present to you this morning as we work through this very short text in the Lord's Prayer. This very short text, this very small text, yet important text in Scripture. Two questions this morning. The first is, what is the meaning of the third petition? What is the meaning of this particular verse, this part of a particular verse in Scripture? And the second is, what is the relationship between the third petition in the Lord's Prayer and the corporate worship of God on the Lord's Day? It is my goal, it is my hope, that after this message, you never read this prayer the same. That your eyes are opened to something far greater by way of just this third petition in the Lord's Prayer. May once again, our gracious God bless His Word and give us ears to hear, saints. The first question, what is the meaning of the third petition? What is the meaning of the third petition? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the example of prayer set forth by our Lord Jesus Christ, He petitions to His Father that the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer is one that seeks both the knowledge and the goodness of God and ultimately reveals the desire of His own beloved Son that His perfect will would be made known and that we, as those who have been given access to the throne of grace by faith, as Pastor Rub now just said, may likewise desire that the perfect will of the One from whom all blessings flow would be made known to us. It is for this reason alone we may conclude first and foremost that this third petition raised by our Lord Jesus Christ and subsequently by many dying saints and many alive even today first asks, that His most holy will may be accomplished in His beloved Son. This is first and foremost what this petition asks. That the will of the Lord, the perfect will of the Lord, may be accomplished in His beloved Son. It is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, very God, very man, the One whom we all adore, that is praying in this text. So in asking, what does this petition mean? 
we must likewise ask, what is our Lord praying for specifically? You see, our Lord never did anything in vain. He was never idle with His prayer time. He didn't give vain petitions to God like the Pharisees did and many others even do today. He's not just going through the prayer motions, church. Have you ever felt yourself doing that, just going through the prayer motions? Everyone in Christ should say easily yes, because we've all done it. Jesus never went through the prayer motions. He was diligent in every single petition He made to His Father in Heaven. This is no different. He is humbly going to the Father, knowing that prayer is a means by which His Father in Heaven is glorified. One may say it is the chief means by which God is given thanks. And it is essential to the will of God made known on earth. In other words, this prayer must have been prayed. It has to be prayed. We have to continue to pray this very prayer. Jesus had to. He knew to pray the Lord's Prayer. He had the will to pray. Certainly, this is of no dispute as we read of our Lord praying literally for everything in His ministry. Time and time again, Jesus was a man of prayer, is a man of prayer. He prays when He's tempted. He prays during the administration of His own baptism. He prays when He is persecuted. He prays when His time is at hand. And He prays the entire way to His own cross where He would take our own sin debt and cancel it immediately. During all of this time, He prays. And in that last hour, that darkest hour, before He breathes His last, He prays for those who are about to kill Him as it is written, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. In all of these examples, we may simply state that Jesus prays for God's will to be done and it would be done in and through Him. You see, congregation, it pleased God in His eternal purpose to choose and ordain His only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to be the only mediator between God and man. He is our mediator. He came, therefore, to do the will of His Father as it is written, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And what was and is that most holy will? Well, first, that eternal life would be offered in His Son. It is first and foremost the will of God that we may find purpose, us bearing His image in His only begotten Son. That we may obey His law. If you love Me, keep My commandments. And that we sinners would freely come to Jesus 
and receive the very thing that God offers us. This is Jesus' prayer for you and I, even today. And as we pray this prayer, our petition to our Father is really just like that of Christ's. Namely, that His most holy will may be accomplished in His beloved sons and daughters through the mediation of Christ. I mean, this example of how to pray really makes sense to us when we receive it by faith. When we read it, when we comprehend it, when we believe it with the faith God has given us to do so. When we understand the Lord's Prayer as a prayer of our precious Savior on our behalf, surely we ought to desire the will of God all the more. God has saved you. God has saved me, a wretched sinner, which really means He can save whom He pleases. That's the glory of His blessed Gospel, church. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You see, us as Reformed confessional folk, we have a tendency to complicate the Gospel and make things way more difficult than they need to be. But Jesus doesn't. He does not. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You see, the problem with us receiving that message is really sin. Sin has made us aloof at enmity with God. And what we all deserve, according to the Scriptures, as a consequence of our sin is not the very goodness and knowledge of God that this petition pleads for, but the judgment of God and just punishment that is due unto sin. And thank God this Lord's Day and every Lord's Day that He does not give us what we deserve, but instead extends His grace unto us. Otherwise, hell-bound sinners. He answered this prayer uttered by our Savior when He was on earth. And you and I are walking examples of this answered prayer, saints of God. He has saved you and He can likewise save your children, your family, your friends. Therefore, pray and remember this particular petition. I mean, as Christians, when we think about the Gospel, God's plan of redemption, we should desire that God would use us in the redemption of His people. This is one of the reasons I became a pastor. This is one of the reasons your pastors became pastors. We want to be used by God for the advancement of His Gospel, for the saving of souls. But it's not a pastor thing. That's a, it's a Christian. It is a Christian thing. It's what all Christians should desire. I'm reminded of that old Baptist hymn. Let none of you hear idly saying, there's nothing I can do while the souls of men are dying and the Master calls for you. Take the task He gives you gladly. Let His work your pleasure be. Answer quickly when He calls you. Here am I. Send me. Send me. 
In all of this, we quite simply pray that His most holy will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where, where is heaven? What is heaven? Who is in heaven? These meditations are all good and profitable, but I'll leave it for your pastors to flesh them out in further detail. I want to close my opening point, this opening question, with the relationship between the will of God in heaven and the will of God on earth, which is the same will in God, meaning there are not just two distinct wills here, but one on earth as it is in heaven. This would mean first and foremost that it is God's desire that heaven and earth would be one. It is God's desire that heaven and earth would be one in some sense. There is a real sense where this would be true and is going to be true and something we await for at the return of our Lord where all mankind will be united with their bodies and soon to follow will be a making of all things new which includes earth and heaven. Yet there is also a real sense in which we must desire this to come into fruition and therefore are commanded to pray. Like the saints of old, or even those in the public ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ who prayed that uh, God's children in the bosom of Abraham would be released awaiting the descent and resurrection, we pray that the Lord would continue to redeem many souls for the sake of His glory. When we pray, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are praying for that great cloud of witnesses to grow in number until the day of His own return. We are praying that sinners would be reconciled to God. That is what we are praying here. One of many things. In addition, we are praying that, that the obedience uh, to God's will on this earth will be like that in heaven. Unblemished obedience. Obedience without delay. The angels and spirits who reside in the heaven of heavens where the obedience of God is perfect, they do the will of God. We on earth are called to strive to do the will of God. And we must not forget God demands perfection. As it is written, be perfect. Therefore, as your Father, our Heavenly Father is perfect, you must be perfect. Yet we are all far from it. We battle with sin. We are distracted by the things of the world. We don't love God like we ought to. But we thank the Lord that His blessed Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was made perfect for us. And that it is His righteousness, not our works and what we can do and how perfect we might think we are, that stands before the Lord. But instead, it's the righteousness of His Son which we all need. This is why I, I amen my brother his, 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 after his confession of sin. We ought to boldly claim that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Yet even long after God calls us to Himself, we are still fighting. We boldly proclaim that today and leave these four walls fighting sin. 
struggling, striving. That's why that word that, that, that came out of the mouth of our Lord is so important. Because it's true, it's the reality that each and every one of us face. And this petition has everything to do with that and the desire for sin to be no more on earth as it is in heaven. Finally, this prayer of our Lord with regards to sin is one great comfort for the saint running their race. I mean, what gets in the way of sinners coming to faith in Christ? What gets in the way to that beautiful obedience by faith that our redeemed hearts, our new hearts desire? It's sin. It's our sin. It's the sin of others. It's the sin that surrounds us in this fallen humanity. Well, this petition Saints of God reminds us that there will be a day where sin is no more. This petition reminds us that there will be a day where sin is no more. As one theologian writes, thus there is an endless strife between the flesh and the spirit and man is continually being brought lower by sin. The will of God, therefore, is that man be restored to his primal state so that no more would the flesh rebel against the Spirit. Hear the word of the Lord, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. You see, congregation, it is true that our Lord Jesus Christ has secured the victory. And indeed, as I've heard countless times this morning, hallelujah and amen. He has secured the victory. It is finished, was his cry. He is victorious. That's why you and I are here today. Yet we must not forget, we must not lose sight That the battle on earth still continues. And therefore, we need this petition more than ever. We need Christ more than ever. We need the words of Christ more than ever. So pray the words of Christ. We'll continue. Yes, yet again, one day, this will all be over and sin will be defeated once for all. Until then, let us keep this very prayer at the forefront of our mind. Let us now move to the final point this morning, the second question. Applying what we have learned about this prayer to the corporate worship of God on the Sabbath. Congregation, I probably haven't said anything really new up to this point, and really you shouldn't ever hear anything new from your pulpits. Uh, There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing's really original to any of us. But unfortunately, I don't see... This relationship with the Lord's Prayer applied enough to the worship of God on the Lord's Day. So we're going to try to do that this morning. Let's ask this question once again. What is the relationship between the third petition in the Lord's Prayer and the corporate worship of God on the Lord's Day? It's a very specific question. I I framed it that way. I'm really speaking of the corporate worship of God on the Lord's Day as in like right now. 
not private worship when you go home tonight, although there is application there, but really specific to our gathering with God's people. How do we begin to even answer such a question? What is the relationship between these two things? Well, to give you a direct answer, the relationship between the entire Lord's Prayer, but particularly the third petition, and the corporate worship of God on the Sabbath, is quite simply that both are essential for our growth in Christ as they work harmoniously together for the good of them that love God, those called according to His purpose. And chiefly, that we, the people of God, may bring glory to our Father in heaven, which is the same chief purpose that our Lord petitioned this very prayer to His Father in heaven. It was that He may be glorified. That is our chief end. It doesn't change here, saints. It actually gets quite a bit clearer, I would argue. That the bride of Christ, that the church, would be like her groom, like her bridegroom, on earth as it is in heaven. The church would be like Christ, to the glory of God. Church, we need to be praying your will be done on earth as it is in heaven often. Yet such a petition is quite fitting on the Lord's Day when we are gathered together with this foretaste of heaven, as it were. When we come together and take this petition to our gracious God, following the perfect example set forth by His beloved Son. We are asking God's grace for a few things, to say the least. We are asking first that our sinful inclinations would die. When we pray this particular petition, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we pray that our sinful inclinations would die. Brothers and sisters, indeed, we come glad into the household of God, as I quoted to begin the sermon. Yet we also come needy. I do not fail to remind our congregation that we are needy people. We are very needy people. Because Christians are very needy people. We ought not forget that we are sinners saved by grace. As was read to us before the sermon, we are sinners saved by grace. And we ought not forget that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, as the Scriptures make clear. And although we have been saved, as our sin debt was taken on His cross, past present, and future, and will be saved once for all at His return, where He makes all things new and judges the living and the dead, as we've mentioned in our first point. We are likewise, according to St. Paul, being saved. 
as the Spirit of Christ works in and through us. This is why we must be in humble reliance upon the Holy Spirit, especially on the Sabbath, especially on the Lord's Day. You're going to hear that terminology several times until I finish this sermon. Humble reliance upon the Holy Spirit. The reliance upon the Holy Spirit is essential in every one of these applications. First, beginning with our sin before a thrice holy God. We come to church in need, and God says in His Word, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We come to church with so many needs. And the Lord says, I am here for you. And I'm always here for you. That's the truth about it, church. He promises forgiveness. He promises cleansing. He promises Himself. Today is the day of salvation, says the Lord. If you need to be forgiven, come to the throne of grace and get your forgiveness. It's there for you. God is not a derelict father that offers you something that he cannot give. Instead, he gives you exactly what he promises himself to all those that come to him. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And how long we seek to be free from this corruption of sin, how we long for this lingering sin and war with the flesh to cease once for all. The sweetness that awaits in the presence of God, free from sin, free from death, where we share in His own incorruptibility. All of this makes the Lord's Prayer all the more essential to the life of the Christian. This is our prayer, beloved. And lost person, this is my prayer for you. It is very much the same, that you would turn from your sinful rebellion and find forgiveness in Christ. Lost person without the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're thinking you're the only one in the room that needs to repent, you are gravely mistaken. We all need to repent. If you're the only one in the room that thinks, I need forgiveness, you are gravely mistaken. Every one of us needs forgiveness. And the same answer remains that the Lord Jesus Christ offers His forgiveness Unto you today. Hear these words. It's one of the many reasons God has you here today. That you would turn from your sin and look to Christ. Where hope is found. And the second thing that we are asking for here as a church is related to the first. Church, when we come together and offer this petition unto our Lord we are praying that we would hear the Lord Jesus Christ speak to us. 
that we would have ears to hear, that we would hear Jesus speaking through His Word. In heaven, the Word of Christ is received in all of its perfection, in all of its beauty. Nothing is is getting in the way, as it were. And today, this is simply just not the case. I've time and time again worshipped and found myself very hungry to go and worship only to sit down and be distracted by my own sinful thoughts, by perhaps the sin of another, perhaps just the issues that come with living in this common kingdom, something even political. You, you don't get it's, it's, it's very difficult to get these things out of your mind. We come that we would hear the word of Christ speak and have many obstacles in the way. As I mentioned in the first request, we come into the household of God in need, weak. Within such realities consists our inability to give proper attention and proper reverence. The third commandment to the word of God. So many things on this earth distract us. And by the way, some of those distractions are necessary. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. Many of, most of them aren't perhaps, but many of them are. Mothers working great acts of piety on the Sabbath, tending to their children, striving to teach them proper conduct and worship. This is a season for mothers with much distraction and rightly so. This points to the very battle to hear the words of Christ on the Sabbath for the need for husbands to step up and and do what they can, everything they can to help out a mother with three children, all all under five years old, trying to balance life on the Lord's Day. This all points to the need for us to even be more ready and prepared for battle and likewise points to the need for such a fitting prayer to be made on the Lord's Day. Likewise, many struggle with fatigue or or preparation. Preparation is a matter of maturity. Fatigue is is oftentimes a matter of providence. Some men work 70, 80 hours a week to provide for their families. It's a struggle to come in and hear the Word of God and show proper reverence on the Lord's Day. Therefore, you pray Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's more of a reason to pray, saints. Pray to receive the words found in Matthew 6, especially in a world full of distractions, awaiting a place where there is none. For this, for the sake of our own souls, saints, as faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And in order for the bride of Christ to be like her groom, we must listen. We must prepare. We must pray on earth as it is in heaven. Thirdly, in this petition, we humbly ask that the Spirit of Christ would work mightily in His place of worship. When we pray this petition, 
We are praying that the Spirit would work a mighty work amongst His people. It's important that we know the Word of God will never return void, church. I mention this to my own congregation every single week, I think. We must never have the mindset that preaching the Gospel or coming to worship God is a waste of time. This is simply not true according to the Scriptures. On the contrary, we must know that God uses His Holy Word according to His will and does so as He pleases. And it never returns void. The Word of God never goes out and dies, in other words. When you're preaching the Gospel and you're you're sharing your heart, you're sharing your testimony with a friend or a family member and they scoff at you, that wasn't a waste of time. It may have been embarrassing for you. It may have been difficult for you. But it's never a waste of time. For the Christian knows he is to be humbly reliant upon the Holy Spirit. But especially as they are gathered together to worship the Lord. This must be our disposition. That God would work through that means, the means of His Word, through the instrument of the minister to accomplish His good will and His good purpose. And what better time to ask for such a lofty request than when we gather together and prepare our hearts for the Word preached. We need the Spirit of God to work that we would hear the words. We need the Spirit of God to work that the words would be profitable. We need the Spirit of God to work that He would receive the glory as His Word is preached. Lest we end up like Corinth where men are given the glory that belongs to Jehovah. May it never be. This petition, as I understand it, brings light to our need for the absolute humble reliance upon the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, what better day to pray these very words than on the blessed Sabbath. And lastly, we pray this prayer that eternal life would be brought to us and that love would abound. St. John in his first letter speaks of the testimony that has been given to us both as a heavenly testimony and a testimony on earth. This testimony is found in the fifth chapter in the eleventh verse where the word of God reads, and this is the testimony that God has given us. Excuse me, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. There is only one hope that we have, congregation, and it's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our only hope. That is our only comfort that we belong to Him. And that will never, ever change. You see, we live in a world where the hopes of the people are constantly changing. 
It's something new every single day. It's money. It's power. It's fame. It's fortune. And everything else under the sun. Yet our hope is sure and steadfast. Our hope is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yet we must desire that this hope is the hope of every single person that hears the message of Christ. We must pray that the will of God would be done here for the sake of the lost. That is the reality of it. It's, it's When the Lord Jesus is asked by one of his disciples in St. Luke's account, how do we pray? It's not just a conversation that consists of two parties. It's a conversation that consists of grace and love. Pray this that my grace may abound. Pray this that love may be found among you. For the glory of Christ and for the good of those made in his image. Congregation, let's go ahead and pray.